Hey, wait a minute. Where'd all the cameras go? What's up with that, huh? All I could see was cameras from back there. All right, there's a couple. All right, thanks. Yeah. I'll be on. I mean, to get this later on, so no. No. That was great. Isn't it wonderful this time of year? I mean, to get to see the kids and the Christmas time. I mean, it is. It truly is a special time. And again, we celebrate the day, but to be able to celebrate as a church family and to, to see the kids. And, and I know, I, I understand that you folks, a lot of you are here today to see those kids and grandkids and uh, what a joy that is. And certainly celebrating the birth of Jesus is important. We're going to have a short word this morning. We're going to take a look at that Christmas story a little bit through the, the biblical lens. And again, they illustrated it perfectly for us, but let's take a look at it biblically. So if you have your Bibles, if not, the guys will provide it up on the screen, I believe, Luke chapter 2. So we did Luke chapter 1 last week, so it kind of makes sense that we're going to do Luke chapter 2 this week. I think I mentioned last week a little bit that for background information that Luke wrote the gospel, and he wrote it in the mindset that it would be heard by Gentiles. So it has a lot of detail in it. It helps explain a lot of the background. Yet you can't, you know, void of the Jewish thread that goes through that and the importance of that. If you read the account in Matthew, you see it much more strongly. You see the, the genealogies, right? And all the names coming down leading up to Joseph and Mary, the importance of being in David's line. And again, that certainly is important. But Luke leaves that out because he knows that the audience that hears it today it's not quite as important, although it is important that he is going to be the king in the line. Again, the Old Testament points forward to Jesus throughout all of Scripture, and then even afterwards, of course, we look forward to that coming king again. But Jesus' beginnings are humble. And so I want to leave you with that thought this morning as we dive into the Scripture. So verse 1 says, and you may have heard this before, maybe even heard it this morning, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should take place in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirius, the governor of Syria, was, and everyone went to his own town to register. Right? Again, nothing you would say to do with spirituality. In fact, it was probably just as one of those government things that uh, he just had to do, right? And, and it's hard to see God in those things, Right? But I found this to be true, and if you look through the scripture, it happens over and over again. God uses, whether it be government, circumstances, or unbelievers even, to do his will. And so there's a reason for this. God used this, even though we would say, well, this doesn't make sense. This has nothing to do with the birth of Christ. Oh, yes, it does. Because where Jesus is born is important. Again, it was another sign to the leaders, or should have been to the leaders of that day, that he truly is the Messiah. Right? He has to be born in a certain place. And so, in order to do that, God had to move them along. And so, he used something very generic, a, a census, to move people along. Right? I don't know if you know, realize it or not, but this is actually a census year this year, 2020. And again, for a whole lot of different purposes, right? They take that count to figure out our representatives, to kind of get a population, to, to know where people are, to see where people have moved to, and, and demographics and things like that. And it affects monies and all that. But God can use even something like and It can be for his purposes. And yet, sometimes we don't understand that. And it can be difficult. 
But Joseph is obedient, right? He's a good citizen at this time. So verse 4 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and pl- clothes, cloths, here we go, again, not clothes, cloths, and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All right, it's a brief account. It's, it's kind of a, a short version, right, of what we see and what we imagine, but again, nevertheless, that more important, right? Again, that he's in the line. He's part of the kingdom. He's part of the David's line, right? Because God made a promise to David back in the Old Testament that there would be a king. The king of kings would come through his line. And no, it wasn't Solomon or his sons or thereafter. You know, again, Israel strayed from that, but there was a king that was coming that was eternal. The king of kings, the king of the, the most. As, as Joe mentioned eloquently this morning, and we worked that out, he's not, that's the king that never died, right? The king of kings, he's alive today. He's not in the ground and we look forward to that. But notice, though, the, the humble beginnings, right? Joseph and Mary, we know from Scripture, did not have much in means. They were engaged to be married, right? Which was very serious that day. Engagement probably was even more uh, committed in some ways than we would have today, right? Engagements didn't get broken off. It was basically, that was just a, a stepping stone to the marriage. And so we know that Joseph took that on with Mary, even though she was pregnant, and probably had to hide that fact or have to keep explaining that over and over again. And certainly there was probably some shame in the village. But they go on this journey, right? Now, as I've said, I have no idea what it's like to be pregnant, right? I want to make that disclaimer again this morning. Some of you weren't here last week. I have no idea. But I can only imagine, you know, taking a trip that involved approximately by today's 75 miles, and whether it's by foot or by donkey, we really don't know. We like to think that maybe it was a donkey. Most scholars could argue that out because, again, Mary and Joseph didn't have much money, so they may have walked it. But 75 miles is a long ways. And being nine months pregnant, at least I can remember when PJ was pregnant, no way. That probably not going to happen, right? She was not the happiest of camper then. Some of you ladies are shaking your head now. You're like, yeah, no. You know, we're doing a trip this week, and we're going on the plane and all those things, but nothing compared to walking pregnant. Again, the roads were not smooth. They're not paved. They're, it's rough terrain. It's up and down. It's tough. It's, it, there's some danger involved. It's not an easy trip. Yet, Joseph and Mary are being obedient to those that are over them and saying, all right, we've got to do this, so we're going to do it. We're going to go and be part of the census. We're going to register our name. And so, so Luke records that and puts that in there. And again, we also know that there was no room at the inn, right? There was no place for them to stay. I've often heard the, the poor innkeepers get kind of become villains in this story, right? They're like, how inconsiderate, right? How, how bad could it be that you couldn't find at least one spot? You've got to imagine, this census is taking place. There's a lot of traveling going on at this point. And obviously, this is on the way to where they had to go. So you know what? They get full. 
It happens. It's, again, it's, it's not their fault. It's not like you could call ahead and make reservations or, or plan this out, right? And say, hey, by the way, we're going to be coming tonight. Could you uh, hold us a room? I'll, I'll give you my credit card. No, it's none of that today. We don't have those. They didn't have those conveniences. It was really by walking along and by chance. And most likely, they didn't even know where they were going to end up. Again, they're walking, but how, much, how far they walk in a day was probably determined by Mary, her strength, or how far they could just physically get. So I kind of like to give the innkeepers a little bit of a break. And in fact, you could almost say they were actually kind of kind in a way. Because they at least didn't say, hey, sorry, we're full. You're on your own. Tough luck. No, they offered at least a place to get in out of the weather. And we know from historians and looking back at it, it was not always warm during that time. Right? It would be rather cool at night. You know? And again, you've got Mary here at that a little bit. Some cover was better than no cover. It was better to be enclosed a little bit. Maybe you get a little bit of warmth from the animals. Not so sure about the smell. That's not in there. We don't know. I've been in enough barns to know that it doesn't always smell pleasant. Um, but they had a place, right? But we see and we can tell from the story that it's a humble beginning, right? It's not the normal way a king would come into the world, right? It wouldn't even be in our thought, right? We would think of at least, uh, you know, a king would come in in the palace with a personal nurse and a, a, you know, all the best of the day. Yet the king that we claim today came in humbly. In fact, he didn't even have his own place where he was born. Interestingly now, watch what comes up next. I love this next part. I mean, again, I love the birth too, but I like this next part. I know we're not supposed to have favorites in Scripture, but I, I really do like this next part. It's verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of joy that will be for all the people. Say, I love this part for a number of reasons. One, again, we, we have the angels, right? And we talked about that last week as the angels announced to both not only Elizabeth, remember we talked about John the Baptist, but also to Mary. And again, the first response is fear, right? This is supernatural. This is something that doesn't happen every day, right? I mean, if you tell me you see angels every day, we may have to talk. We may have to go somewhere and, and you, know, you may need some help um, beyond my capabilities. No, right? It's not a normal occurrence. It's a supernatural, right? But I love the fact that he goes to the shepherds, right? Now, in context, shepherds were not the top of the society list. Shepherds were pretty low. In fact, they were pretty rough guys, to be honest. They were not what you would call the brightest bulb in the pack, right? They were low in standard. They were, like, couldn't, if you couldn't do anything else, you could be a shepherd, right? And you were a loner. You hung out by yourself a lot of the time. You'd be out in the countryside. Now, some of you say, hey, that wouldn't be so bad. But really, not all the time. It'd be a lonely life. Um, you're facing enemies all the time. You know, they were susceptible to robbers. They were susceptible to animals, Again, and, and they didn't have a, a nice high-powered gun to, to fend themselves off. A lot of times it was just physical brute strength. 
right? Maybe a rock, if they were lucky. They had their staff, again, that had multi-purposes. There's a whole study you could do on that. But shepherds were, were low on the pole. They were very humble. They were kind of the people that hung out on the outskirts, on the edges. In fact, even in that day, in a court of law, a shepherd's testimony quite often wouldn't be discredited. They wouldn't credit. They'd like, ah, you know, spend a little bit too much time out with a sheep, you kind of, you, you, you know, you've lost it. You're not in the right mind, or you're not a credible witness, right? Maybe you spent a lot of time out there making stories around the campfire, and you, you kind of lost it. So they weren't the high society, but that's the people, the very people, that God chose to announce the news. That's why I said, I love it. It's not the, the high society, it's not the top, it's not the rich, it's the low. And he comes humbly. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. Right? He announces to them, and it's interesting too, he announces that you'll find a Savior David. Right? Again, these shepherds are not schooled, they're not in the temple. That, that probably didn't mean a lot to them at that point. It would be very doubtful that many of these shepherds had any inclination or even around the temple. Maybe, if they were around the temple, the only thing that they might have done was sell the sheep. Because in that day, they would sell the sheep to, the, to be sacrificed. And again, the more you could get for sheep, the more money you made, and they were known for being shrewd. But they certainly wouldn't be looking for David. A little ironic twist here, and again, you probably don't think of this when you read the Christmas story, but in some ways, Christ's coming is the sign of the end of their business. Think about that for a minute. Some of you are going, oh, I got that, Pastor Charlie, that's pretty good, right? Jesus ends the sacrificial system. He's the end of that. So the fact that they're selling sheep for that, that purpose, um, there's an end that's coming with that. Again, they wouldn't have realized that, but it is kind of ironic when we look back at that. And they announce, the angels announce to the shepherds. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. All right? Break out in praise. Nothing against our praise teams here, but I'm telling you, I got to imagine that it was probably better than you guys. I just insulted half of my congregation. That's not usually a good thing. I don't know why I do those things. No. But seriously, can you imagine the heavens opening up and all of a sudden all these voices start singing, right? Think about it. It's a clear night. There's stars out. It's, it's quiet. And all of a sudden it just bursts bright open, bright lights and music. And they're singing praise. And you're a shepherd saying, well, that's a new one. That doesn't happen every day. No, right? They had to be in awe. I can't even imagine the scene. And I have a feeling that the words here even kind of, they hinder it. They box it in. It's not to the fullest. You know, sometimes you can't just describe things. And if we do, it's very limited. We only see through a limited view. I can imagine this is a great scene. Announcing the birth of Jesus. Announcing the king. The king of all kings. Then the angels left. You say, well, that's where the story goes on, right? 
verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. All right, a couple things here. Wait a minute. These are shepherds, right? I told you, they're, they're loners. They're not in the population very much. They're not in the crowds. And they're going to leave their sheep to go look for somebody they'd never met, they'd never known, don't even really know where to look. You got to say, they, something struck them, right? Something happened to them to make them totally go in a different direction. Does God still do that today? Does God still do that? Does he sometimes ask you to do something that totally doesn't make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, when God takes a hold of you or gives you a call on your life, he changes everything, changes the norm. And so we see the shepherds here leaving. Again, they left him with some people for protection, but they didn't know how long they were going to be gone. They didn't know exactly where they were going. They just knew they wanted to go see this baby they had just heard about. And so they immediately hurried off and went to find them. How they found them, we, we don't know. Again, it's not like there were road maps or you know, signs as far as pointing, hey, or, or Joseph and Mary even had a calling card. I mean, in fact, if they had asked the innkeeper, he probably wouldn't even know. He said, well, maybe it's, you know, I saw a pregnant lady earlier today. But they went to go find this newborn king that they were told about by the angels. And then as we wrap this up, again, we see the, the change here, but verse 19 is another one I've got highlighted and underlined, and it's really the, the basis for this morning's message. But it says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Back to that verse 19, right? Mary treasured up all these things, and pondered them in her heart, right? Now, Mary gives us that little insight, that little record of a mother who's, I'm sure, worried about the future, not knowing what's next, probably feeling a little overwhelmed, right? We've been on this long journey, it's been a long day, and now she, by herself, with her husband, having to give birth. And again, nothing's been normal, right? This has not been a normal pregnancy. It's not been the norm. She's not having family around her. I'm sure Joseph was no help at all. Uh, I can guarantee that. None of us men are much help in those circumstances, just in case you were wondering. But yet, it's special. Something is different, even more so. And then these strange men show up. <laughs> these shepherds. Again, it doesn't say they got cleaned up before they went, right? It didn't say they, they fixed their hair or dressed up, you know. No, there, there wasn't a shower on the way, I'm sure. But again, it's just another one of those things, and Mary ponders them in her heart. What is in your heart this morning? What are some of the things that you look back and you say, God had his finger on my life right now. 
Do you have some of those things? Do you remember some of those times when God says, yeah, I want to use you now. I want you to help do this. This is special. This is a moment like no other. Some of you, I can tell, your, your wheels are turning, you're, you're thinking of those moments. Because we all need those remembrance. We need those times in our lives when we remember back and say, yeah, God used us there. Maybe it was to lead someone to salvation. Maybe it was your baptismal. Maybe it was the first time that you heard about Jesus. Maybe it was your first Christmas as a believer, looking at it differently. It's good to ponder these things. It's good to hide them in your heart and remember them and to bring them back out because there are times when that's not easy where we forget. And I want to tell you this morning, there's hope in that as well. Because you know what? God still does that today. And he wants to do that with you. And so be looking for those things that God wants to use. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we know, this is just such a special time of year. And Lord, we are thankful for the many blessings you give us. And Lord, we're thankful for our children. We're thankful for our grandchildren that laid out the story earlier today. Lord, I'm thankful for those who have invested time in them. But Lord, I'm thankful for you that you came to us. You came down from heaven as a baby and became our king, the king of kings who we serve today. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.